Yeah. So, so stuff like that, but I think it all starts with honesty and yeah, allowing myself to be angry, to be sad. And then, um, yeah, because I feel like I love, okay. So I love sunrises, right? I love to get up in the morning and see the sunrise to be outside when the day's waking up, but you can't have a sunrise unless you have a sunset and unless you have the nighttime. So you have to accept those dark moments you know, to obviously you can right. right. <laughs> um, before, you know, to get to the good stuff. And if I haven't had an experience, the lows, I can't appreciate the highs and I can't appreciate where I've, where I've been or where I've come from. You're listening to the Sasquatch Trail Runners podcast, where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Kim Levinsky. And today's episode is the recording from our Facebook live interview series on Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. We sat down with the one and only Hillary Allen to hear all about her trail and ultra running experiences of overcoming a near fatal mountain accident to return to racing professionally. So sit back and relax or grab your shoes and hit the trails and enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Mountain Sherpa Photos. Do you do a lot of solo running? Are you tired of taking selfies? Well, now you can download the Mountain Sherpa app and have instant professional trail photos. Simply log on to the Mountain Sherpa Photos app and activate the GPS. Within 10 minutes, a Mountain Sherpa photographer will be at your side, ready to take some professional action shots. Use the code SASQUAD to get three free photos. Okay, we are live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the SASQUAD Trail Runners Facebook Live interview series for our seventh episode of 2021. My name is Kim Levinsky. I'm the owner and race director for Sasquad Trail Runners in New Jersey. Tonight we are joined by Hillary Hilligoat Allen. She is to my right. Not sure how it looks on your screen. Um, so before we give Hillary her squatchy introduction, I'm going to share just a few quick updates for you on what's happening in the world of Sasquatch trail running. If you're not familiar with who we are, we are a trail running community in New Jersey. We put on events. We like to call them trail parties all around the state. Um, and we love to have a welcoming atmosphere where runners and hikers of all ages and paces can join our events. So real quick, here's the rundown for you. Our next trail party is this Saturday, just in a couple days. It's over at the South Mountain Reservation, West Orange, New Jersey for a brand new event in our series called the Squatch Apple Trail Race. We have an 11 mile, 20 mile, 33 and 50 miler. After the Squatch Apple, we are headed up north to Stoke State Forest in Branchville, New Jersey. That's in Sussex County. That is on May 1st for the Thunder Chicken Squatch. I can't say that name without laughing. Quick backstory on it because I love telling the story. I've probably told it a hundred times. If you didn't know, May is National Military Appreciation Month, and we're going to be celebrating that at the Thunder Chicken Squatch by offering 50% off to all military and veterans. So the name Thunder Chicken comes from one of our most recent interviews two times ago with active duty soldier Samantha DeRozier. She was one of our former runners. She's since been stationed out west in uh, the U.S. Army. She shared during that interview a hilarious story about how she got her Army call sign name Thunder Chicken. And so we thought it was only fitting to name our, na our May race after Samantha's call sign in honor of Military Appreciation Month. 
Um, later in June, the last Sunday of the month, we are hosting the Midnight Squatchapalooza at the Burlington County Fairgrounds in Columbus, New Jersey. We just got final approval for that event. We got the permit today. So that is officially on. We've opened up registration where you can sign up. And if you had previously um, pre-registered to secure your spot, we sent you an email today for you to accept that invite and then your credit card will be charged. So that's on ultra sign up. And for that race, it starts at midnight, just like the name says, you can run for 12 hours, you can run for six hours, you can run a 5K that starts at midnight. Or if you don't, you're not into the overnight thing, you can catch us in the morning at 9 a.m. to run a three hour option. Um, so that's about it for our races that are coming up. We have some events in the summer. You can learn more about that on our website, which is sasquadtrailrunning.com. Okay, here is the reason you are all here. Hillary Allen, Hilly Goat. So first things first, I told Hillary this, we need to give a huge shout out to our mutual friend, Elise Mordos, who made the connection for us. If you've been listening to our podcast series, you've watched our interviews, you'll remember that we had Elise on the series are in last summer it was and she came on with Trisha Ignatowski and Olivia O'Neill and they chatted with us about their group the Trail Women BK which stands for Brooklyn. Well since then the three of them have pretty much ditched us they've moved west they are relocating to Colorado and that is where Elise connected with Hillary and Hillary reached out to me and said hey I think you guys should connect you're both good people do you want to do you want me to make the connection and I actually had to read the email twice because I couldn't believe she was offering to connect me with Hillary Allen. And I jumped all over. I was super excited. Um, we've been sharing it in our community. You guys are excited. I know that you're on here ready for a great night. So I'm going to read Hillary's bio just to set the stage, give you a little background. Um, most of you, I'm sure, are very familiar with, with who Hillary is. But just in case you're not, I'm going to fill you in and paint the picture for you. So here is Hillary's bio. In 2017, world-class ultra runner, Hillary Hilligo Allen was at the top of her sport. And it felt like she was running on top of the world as she competed in Norway's sky race. Allen was nearly halfway through the 50K when she fell 150 feet off an exposed ridge, fracturing her back and breaking multiple ribs, both feet and both of her lower arms. 10 days and two surgeries later, Hillary flew home and underwent three more surgeries in Colorado. She was told that she might not ever run again. Just 11 months after her injury, after a rehab period that tested her determination, courage, and spirit, Hillary placed second at the Broken Arrow vertical kilometer race in Lake Tahoe and then raced the 52 kilometer race the next day. And to top that off, a week later, she won a mountain race. So Hillary hopes to inspire, educate, and encourage other people to find balance in their lives, something the injury has helped her find. She studies and teaches science using her master's degree in neuroscience and physiology and structural biology. She is a trail running coach with CTS, a gravel cyclist, and the host of the Train Right podcast. And I do want Hillary to take a second to share her sponsors because I want them to get a good shout out before we jump into this. Is that right, Carmen? Oh man, that's, that's your cue right there. <laughs> hey, I'm super excited. Thank you so much for being on here. And again, huge shout out to Elise um, for the introduction. I'm super excited to to meet with you guys virtually. Hopefully, I can make it over there in person sometime soon. Um, 
but yeah, so my sponsors, hopefully I don't forget any of them. Um, North Face, I've been with them since the beginning of this trail running journey. Um, Jaybird, so they're for the earbuds. Uh, Scratch Labs, they keep me like fed, so I'm not super hungry and hangry. <laughs> uh, Swiftwick Socks is one of the, the earliest sponsors I had. And on the cycling side of things, um, there's Julbo for eyeglasses, I, I like eyewear, and um, Saris. Uh, yeah. And of course running watches Cora. So there's a lot of them. <laughs> there is. I want, I wanted you to do that because I didn't want to miss any either. So I put, I put you on the spot um, <laughs> a little bit, but also to mention in, in the intro that Hillary just released her book, which is right here out and back. Yeah. So you can now get that on Amazon. I encourage you to do it right now. I know you got the Amazon prime membership. Just hop on there and you can order it. I read it in a day and a half. It was phenomenal. And the cool part too, is there's also an audiobook available and I actually got to record the audiobook. So there's a sufficient amount of emotion in, in the words, I think. <laughs> awesome. Well, Hillary, thank you so much for coming on our interview and our podcast. Yeah. I'm so excited to be here. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, I can't do in-person events yet, but uh, this is a close second. So I'm very, I'm very appreciative. Awesome. Well, I have a whole list. I told you before we started this live, I've got a page and a half of notes that I took during the book. Everything is highlighted in here. I know we're going to run out of time and I promise to you who are listening and watching, I will share and I will ask your questions. So throughout the chat, if you want to go in the live chat, you can drop a comment and I'm going to keep an eye on that. I can pass those questions on to Hillary throughout the night. So Hillary, my first question for you, well, first of all, is the tables are turned a little bit tonight because you're usually the host of your podcast, right? Yes, this is true. I know I'm used to being the interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> So we're shifting, we're shifting it around a little bit. My first question is what is the, what is the number one question that people tend to ask you? There must be a question that's usually repeated. What, what would that be? In, in I'm, I'm assuming in reference to kind of the accident and, um, well, I think there's two actually, and it happened today earlier when I was out, uh, getting groceries. Um, I'm wearing shorts today. And, um, cause it's getting nicer here in Colorado. Um, and I have these pretty big scars on my, on my legs. It looked like a big bear kind of like attacked me, you know, insert whatever, you know, mountain lion bear, whatever you want. And so usually it's, it's children who have enough of curiosity or courage to like, look at my scars and like, ask like what happened or like point and stare. Um, but today it was the checkout man. <laughs> He's like, what happened to your leg? And so like, I went into the whole, like, you know, so depending on what mood I'm in, I can, you know, tell the story. So thankfully I had the book coming out. So I just gave him my card. I was like, you want to learn more? Here you go. Yes. <laughs> um, but so it's that just because the scars can be quite obvious. And I think the other one is, is more of a complicated question, but generally it's like, how did you, uh, how did you approach recovery? You know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's just kind of like looking for either tips if someone is there just, you know, in their own recovery or, um, you know, struggling through that, just, just kind of like, how did you, how did you do it? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. So with your, with your book, let's give people who are listening just a, a quick overview of it. Like when you're describing it to people, what is your book about? Um, and when did you, I'm curious, when did you just did this, decide to write the book? Those are my yeah. two. 
So um, actually just today I published a, a blog post on why I chose writing. Um, for me, writing has been something that's incredibly cathartic. Um, it's a way for me to just be raw and real and I can write whatever I'm feeling down on the page and there's no judgment. Like I'm the only one that has to read it. It's safely secured within, within these, you know, the confines of my notebook. Um, but as soon as you share this publicly with people, I think um, it can create a space for others to, to join you in your experience. And so the reason, um, the, how, why I decided to write the book and what I think the book is about, it's less of a recovery story. It's more of an invitation for others to learn that challenges are not these impossible things or these walls that are insurmountable. They're actually an opportunity to learn and to grow and to become stronger. And I would like my book to be that invitation for others to question what they, what they think is impossible and to, to learn, um, you know, what strength that they possess. Mm -hmm. And I think writing is incredible because it creates this community, this space where, with, with me sharing my vulnerability through my experiences, I think someone reading that can insert their own experiences. Um, and, you know, you don't have to fall on 150 feet off of a cliff to relate to struggle and setback. Right. Um, that's the beautiful thing about, you know, human experience. It, it's shared even in the smallest, you know, emotions. Um, and, you know, just we, we share suffering, basically. It's, it's, it brings us together. Um, we all experience the same emotions and, you know, we just all have different experiences, which can create the same things. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, I decided to write it, um, actually kind of what got the ball rolling. Um, I had pitched the idea to, uh, this publishing company, Blue Star Press. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, they're a small company based out of Bend, Oregon and, um, husband and wife run, like I, fell in love with them. They're awesome. Brenna, the woman who, uh, she's, she's a runner. Um, Peter's an enthusiast. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I pitched it to them in September of 2018. So, you know, after I had kind of made my little quote unquote comeback to running and, um, then I didn't actually start writing it until the winter of 2019, uh, when I broke my ankle. So yes, <laughs> I had, you know, ample time and more frustration. And actually it was kind of more of a, um, I think an opportunity for me to, um, re-experience some of that, that raw emotion that I experienced during, you know, the accident recovery, which, you know, was still super fresh, but, um, yeah, it was just another way for me to heal and through the writing process. And so, yeah, 2019 is kind of the year that I took to, to write the book. And that when you broke your ankle, that was when you, re you referenced that in the book, right? Was that, that was the break. Okay. Yep. So that was, you know, the 18 months post-accident, finally getting momentum. And then I break my ankle. <laughs> uh, I know. When I was reading it, I said, no, I said it out loud. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, like I told you before this, this started, and I want to, I want to give another plug for the book. I really felt like you were right there telling me your story. You did such a great job um, just documenting the whole process from start to finish. And the thing I think I appreciated the most, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to get this a lot from other people, is just um, just how honest you were in your writing. You didn't sugarcoat anything. You really didn't leave out a lot of details. And I think, like you said, that's going to allow you know people who are reading to really relate to what you shared. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that was honestly, um, for me, I joke with people that know me well, is that I'm a very genuine person. And so mm-hmm. what you see is what you get. So I'm, you know, I'm a very optimistic person. So like genuinely happy. Mm-hmm. However, uh, when I'm experiencing like <laughs> sorrow or anger, you also get that very genuinely as well. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was, um, it was a very, so it was just a, also a pact that I made f- for myself is that mm-hmm. I wanted to be honest. And if yeah, I okay. lied or sugarcoated anything, I was only hurting myself. I was only, you know, filtering my experience. And so, I made that decision from the very beginning that I wanted to be honest. And I was so sick of the typical athlete comeback story where they go silent and, you know, do all this work and go through all of this horrible stuff, but they suppress it from themselves in the world. And Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they're back on the stage. Um, and it seems like, Oh, like now, now I'm back here. I am again. And for me, I wanted to be honest with the process and in so, I created this incredible community, I think, um, or just room for community. Um, so how was that process of writing? Was, was it challenging? Um, yeah, it it sounds like it was almost in a way it was, it was kind of coping and therapeutic. What what was that like for you to, to write it all out? Yeah. So it definitely was, I think for me, it was a way of kind of, um, you know, experiencing it again and writing in real time and processing kind of what I went through and what I learned. But there were so many days that I sat down to write and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I'm not a professional writer. Like, what the heck am I supposed to say? Like, I don't have any wisdom. I'm trying to figure this out. (laughs) Like, I didn't feel like I had this like digestible point. I didn't even know what it was. Um, And so what helped me honestly was movement. So I kind of got in this routine. I chose to still compete and race while I was, while I was writing it and train. And so what I would do is I had this routine um, where I'd get up in the morning and I would read an excerpt or kind of jot down a few notes. And then I'd go out for my training run or ride that day. And I'd bring my phone with me. And I, I think everyone has experienced this. Like you kind of get this clarity of thought or um, even this burst of creativity and so I brought my phone with me and I could record little voice memos. And oh, okay. so, I mean, if you've read the book, so there's a lot of little stories in there. And so right. I was, I kind of organized the book and on themes. And, um, and so I was like, oh, this is, this would be a really cool story. And I could relate it to this theme. And so I'd write these little voice memos down. And then once I got back from my run, I would be like eating. And then like, I'd have all this energy to write, um, and that's just, yeah, that's kind of how, how I did it. I actually, um, I was in France for a big time of it. Um, spoiler alert. I actually got to go, I went back to Tromsø, Norway, the site of um, the big accident um, two years later. And that's during the time that I was writing. So mm. that's included in the book too. So that was awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that before, uh, just a minute ago about that the, the book is kind of organized with themes. And that's definitely the way that I interpret it as well. Um, and I shared this with you. I think my biggest takeaway and just, I was so impacted by all that you shared about the power of community. I would love to, I would love to chat about that. If you're familiar with Sasquad, you know that we love, we love building community and just getting invested in each other's lives. Um, so Hilly, would you want to talk about just about the power of community and you know, your whole process of, of what that looked like and how it's transformed who you are. 
Yeah. And first of all, I think your community starts with such a strong name, like, holy crap, like all of the the races, I'm like, I just want to do it just because of that. Like, (laughs) um, but no, so honestly, and I think a lot of, I think a lot of us can relate to this. I would describe myself as like a lone wolf. I am an introvert. I can thrive in big groups. I'm very outgoing. However, I like to recharge by myself and I use my time running almost as therapy. Like it's like active meditation. Um, I don't usually run in a ton of big groups, but like when I do, you know, it's like, there's this sense of community, but so the weird thing that I discovered about myself, um, through the injury process was how much of a community that I actually had. Mm. And I think it looks different for everyone. Not, you know, everyone, I mean, you don't have, you know, some people are extroverts and they thrive on group settings. Um, But for me, I discovered that my community can just be two or three people who, Mm. you know, I can be honest and raw with. um, And, or it can be like a whole, a whole community of trail runners. And I actually felt that simultaneously throughout my um, injury recovery. Uh, I discovered, you know, who truly mattered to me, who I could be raw and honest with, you know, express these raw feelings, you know, during my, during my recovery, where I had wished that the accident would have killed me because it, it felt Mm -hmm. easier and I was dealing with depression and I was, you know, super sad and, uh, you know, lost my identity sense of self. And, you know, I only had a few people that I could actually be that raw and honest with. And, you know, that's what my, I think, immediate community looked like. They saw me day in and day out. They saw me when I had tears, like, you know, rolling down my face and I had no energy to do, to do anything or no, you know, motivation. I didn't see the purpose, Um, but they were there and they, you know, they showed up for me. My, my PT, Matt Smith, he's, he's one of those people. Um, And, you know, my, my mother. um, Right. And, you know, a few close friends here, here in Boulder and, but then extending to the greater community, I just realized kind of, and I write about it in this blog that I, that I just wrote, but I think through writing and through sharing your experiences and vulnerability, it creates space for a community to join in with you. Mm. And so not only was it, you know, every runner athlete, you know, injuries are kind of a part of of the process. And so, you know, I I was astounded by the number of people that would reach out to me and say, Hey, like I'm struggling with this and you're inspiring me to keep going or hang in there. I also had a Liz Franck injury. It's like a ligament tear. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I got through it and here's, here's what I did. And so it was just that. And then, you know, people that I didn't even know just, you know, showing up for me and, um, you know, doing nice things or sending me a nice message. And then it encouraged me to do more of the same. And I think that was kind of more of the, um, positive momentum to continue writing and sharing my vulnerability and honesty, because I felt like I was, I was making some sort of a positive difference in the world. Um, and that's again, why, um, I wrote the book. I feel like it's a, it's a gift. Um, and if I could even help just a few people, I think it would be, it would be worth it, but it's, I think it's creating that kind of global community. Um, right. Yeah. I love that. And I think maybe, you know, I I hope it's helpful too, for maybe somebody who's out there who doesn't have that community yet, that they can just see like, wow, this is possible to get plugged in, you know? Yeah. 
Um, I love when you were talking about the, the gym where Matt was at. I like want to go and be a member of that gym. <laughs> they are the best. I love these guys. They're awesome. <laughs> and, and also just like with, with that too. I mean, for, for me, like I said, I, I've always thought I was a lone wolf and I was like, oh, I don't need anyone. Like I'm just like different or I'm, you know, gonna, I just need to be by myself. But like, I think what's so cool is even if I go to these, you know, I meet, I have a bunch of acquaintances and I go to like a big group trail run. I've met some of my closest friends that way. So it's, even mm. if you go to this big community event, it can seem overwhelming. Like even if you just meet one person and that can become your community in a way, it doesn't have right. to be big. It's just has to be meaningful to you. Mm. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what I love about the trail running community. It's just, it's so awesome. Cause it's like like-minded people and you're bound to, you know, it's like a numbers game. You're bound to run into someone that's. Yes. <laughs> One of, one of our um, previous, well, Thunder Chicken. So Thunder Chicken <laughs> described, <laughs> she, she, she described uh, trail races as, you know, it's really just a bunch of vagabonds and hippies that show up. Nobody knows each other for the most part. And yet you're totally embraced and supported. And it's this, it's really a transformative experience. Yeah. I love it. And also like, you know, like the name Sasquatch, it's like, he's just a lone wolf, but like, Everyone loves him because they're looking for him. He's out That's there. It. <laughs> they all want to be a friend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So Pirate Community was, I, I loved, you know, you, you, that was a really a reoccurring theme in, in the entire book. Um, also loved just how I think vulnerable and honest you were about your mental health. And you talked a lot about your struggle with depression um, through the entire process. Um, would you mind chatting about that a little bit? And, you know, what did that look like when you were going through recovery? What kind of, um, what things helped you get through that? You know, maybe that could be helpful for somebody listening. Yeah. Um, and so I, so again, this is like, this is through my history, just as a, as a person before I found running, um, I've always had a variety of interests. And so I never thought that, you know, something, you know, having something, um, I mean, one of my hobbies kind of taken away from me would hit me so hard um, because I was a scientist. I mean, honestly, I studied neuroscience. So, you know, I've, I've always been aware of mental health and I think it's synonymous with uh, physical health, but I think it's easier as athletes to focus on the physical health because it, it does bring about certain things. Like I could explain the science of a running high, um, but you know, it has to do with rapid eye movement, like REM sleep. So it's like, you're scanning back and forth up and down on the trail. And so like running is a really good way to kind of get that rush of endorphins and to feel that, you know, kind of relief for that, you know, um, just, yeah, that typical runner's high. Um, so that could feel like you're taking care of yourself and it can feel, I've, I've used it as like active meditation. Um, but so when I had that, you know, taken, you know, basically taken away from me, um, I felt this huge loss of identity. I felt this huge loss mm -hmm. of self. And I think that's the first time in my life that I have had experienced that. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, again, what I'm saying that I don't think you have to have fallen off a cliff to relate to that. A move, you know, can do this. Um, you know, trying to get plugged in with the community, feeling isolated, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's that, it's enough to cause this kind of, this shift to your universe, mm -hmm. um, you know, going through a breakup, a divorce, a job change, like any of these things, um, 
and certainly an injury. And in my case, an injury, which threatened my mobility. I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to walk for three months. Um, I had broken both of my wrists. So, you know, take every single daily task that you have and try to picture it with, okay. Um, I can lift a Coke can with my, with my hands. Like that was my weight limitation. And I had to do that for like eight to 10 weeks. Um, and so, you know, cooking, um, then showering, you know, um, getting up and down stairs. How am I going to do that with no wrists? I can't use crutches and, you know, a knee scooter, um, grocery shopping, like any of these things. And so not only was my mobility severely compromised and I had been, you know, I prided myself on being a strong, capable, independent person, but now I had, I felt exposed. I felt, you know, I had to ask for help for, you know, not only did I have to have someone cook for me, but like, I had to like Jerry rig some fork contraption to like, you know, shove food into my mouth. Like it was, you know, I needed to be babysat at, you know, like, you know, a 28 year old woman, it was, um, quite humbling and I was angry about it. And then I, something that I truly loved and that felt that I felt that I had, you know, found what I was made to do, um, you know, moving and trail running and, being outside in the mountains, I felt like it brought out the best version of myself, not only for the running aspect, but for, you know, being a better teacher, um, being a better like friend, um, and you know, every other aspect of my life. And so to have that taken away, I just felt dull. I felt numb. I felt that, you know, I, you know, I was alive, but I didn't know why. And I didn't see the point. Um, and for me, what really helped is honesty. Mm. I, I couldn't, I couldn't pretend that I wasn't feeling that. And I couldn't show up to the world to, um, you know, people that, that even, you know, that I loved, like, for instance, my mother, um, my coach, Matt, um, that I I couldn't put on a happy face for them because that felt, it just felt like a lie. And for me, it was super important to be honest, to be able to tell that to them, how I was feeling. And then it allowed creating space for those negative emotions. Actually, it helped me to move through them mm-hmm. instead of like having it, you know, stay like kind of like tucked away in myself and, you know, become something bigger, like this giant storm, I would able to, you know, let it out. And then it could kind of like float away and then I could, you know, move through it and then, you know, see the rainbow or the light on the other side. Um, so that was one thing that was really important to me and, and like important for my process. And then of course, um, writing was, was huge, but just that was again, related to community, finding those people that I could be honest with. Um, but it first started with honesty with myself, like what I was really feeling. And since then, it's something that I continue to pay attention to. I mean, I'm open about it. I see a, a sports psychologist because I think it's, it's incredibly healthy, um, because, you know, like recovery isn't, isn't linear and, you know, certainly an athlete's career is not linear. And so, you know, injuries, it's just not, it's not like a one and done type of situation. Like they happen again. Um, and so it's practicing those tools of, you know, self-care. Um, you guys see these little like twinkle lights behind me. I have like (laughs) a little, like, this is my like safe corner. I drink tea here and I can like, um, yeah, like listen to music, like kind of have some like time for myself. Um, yeah. So, so stuff like that, but I think it all starts with honesty and yeah, allowing myself to be angry, to be sad. And then, um, yeah, because I feel like 
I love, okay. So I love sunrises, right? Mm -hmm. I love to get up in the morning and see the sunrise to be outside when the day's waking up, but you can't have a sunrise unless you have a sunset and Mm -hmm. unless you have the nighttime. So you have to accept those dark moments, you know, it's a, obviously a euphemism (laughs) before, you know, to get to the good stuff. And if I haven't had an experience, the lows, I can't appreciate the highs and I can't appreciate where I've, where I've been or where I've come from. Um, and that's, I mentioned this in the book, but I would, I, uh, one thing that got me through on these really tough days is I pictured myself building a house and I grew up in a house, um, that was kind of like, it was a nice little ranch style house, like, um, single, single level, but it had like little bricks. So it was like a, like a brick house. And so I took every day of my recovery as a brick, like, um, the symbolism of a brick. And so even if it wasn't perfect, like if there's like little chips in the brick, like the surface wasn't perfect. Like if you look closely at a brick house, there's kind of like, they're not, they're imperfect, but it didn't matter. Um, and so if every day wasn't perfect, it's okay. It represented a brick and I'd lay it down in the foundation Mm -hmm. and I couldn't see what house I was building, but I knew I was building a strong foundation and I would never miss a day. And so there wasn't going to be a hole. There might just be a chipped and ugly brick in there, but it was in there. And it was like building this beautiful house one day that I'd get to, you know, like enjoy and live in. And I'm still building it, but, um, that's kind of what I, what I pictured. I love that. And I, I also, I, I loved how, when you, you mentioned this a little bit before, when you had that, that ankle break, it was like 18 or 19 months after mm-hmm. um, everything happened. It was so amazing to, to have you, you know, to hear you describe what that process looked like compared to what you had just gone through. And I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that, um, just yeah. about how you were able to kind of use um, these tools in the toolbox, you know, that you, that yeah. you, would, you kind of acquired. You like that right there? So <laughs> yeah, I love that. Actually, I use that euphemism too. It's like, yeah, I'm just have another tool in my toolbox. <laughs> yeah, put it in the toolbox. <laughs> Um, I've got a pretty big belt right now for all my, yeah. tools. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I actually, I remember the day, I mean, I was finally feeling ready. I was finally feeling like excited to do a race camp calendar. And like, mm-hmm. um, I was ready to, to do my longest race that I've ever done like TDS. So Trude Duc de Savoie, that race that's kind of, um, in the UTMB series. And mm-hmm. they had just changed it in 2019 to be even longer. So instead of 125 K it was going to be 145 K mm. so like 90 miles. And that's the longest I'd ever run. And I was like, yes, I can do it. Let's do this. I'm all for like, you know, running my longest distance after my accident. I was like, why not? I'm going right. to do it. Right. And, um, I remember I was just getting into training. It was the end of January. It was still kind of snowy, but like I was doing, you know, lower trails and kind of some speed work. Um, and we had this big snowstorm. And so I, you know, you know, went out to run in the snow because it's one of my favorite things to do. And, um, as I was, as I got off the trail and I was finishing the trail run, I was four blocks from my house and I slipped on some, you know, packed ice underneath the snow. And I immediately knew I twisted, I had broken my ankle. Um, and at that moment, I remember, I remember just sobbing on the sidewalk and saying, I called my PT. He was like, I think I called my doctor first and then my PT second and then an Uber. <laughs> um, but like, I, um, I remember I was uh, 
just crying. And I was like, I don't know if I could do this again. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do this again. And, you know, every, and, and, you know, everyone was like, but you've been through worse. And I'm like, but I know what's coming. I know what I'm about to do. I'm about to like go to war again. Mm. And, um, yeah, I honestly, I, I kind of hit a new rock bottom. It's like the new, some, some things that I kind of hadn't, I guess, completely dealt with since the accident, I had more time to deal with it now and like have that hope. And then, you know, it being taken away from me and, you know, have to go into this again. Um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but yes, yes. <laughs> no, that was, that was great. And, and, and you talked about how, you know, it took, I think it was like a week or two of that intense grief. Yes. Compared to before where it was, you know, much longer extended time. Yeah. And that was actually, I, yeah, that was a really good point because, um, I think during the accident, I had this kind of loss of identity and loss of of sense of self for months. Like it was on the order of probably six, six months, Mm -hmm. um, that I just didn't trust my body. I didn't know like what I was doing. I didn't know if I, you know, even wanted to compete again, like what I was, you know, I, I just felt this loss of sense of self and I felt depressed and, you know, fighting every day to kind of find some sort of hope to keep going. Mm. Um, and that was just, that was really a desperate time because it was, um, it just lasted for so long. And I think I finally let go of it when I realized I was chasing this old version of myself Mm. and in letting go of that, I think I was able to move forward and, you know, kind of let go of this sadness. Um, but so, I, I mean, again, the de- injury. So when I broke my ankle, it was devastating. But instead of ha- spending, you know, a month or two just lamenting and, you know, being angry and sad, um, you know, I, I let myself be pissed. I let myself be sad. I let myself cry myself to sleep um, yeah. for, you know, maybe a week, two weeks. And then I, you know, was ready, ready to fight again. Um, yeah. And this is not the best news, but I have a broken foot at the moment. And, um, (laughs) it's really, it's, it's bittersweet. And so it's like, so, you know, I want to be celebrating this book and I, and I am, I'm very happy, but then there's this sadness to it. And actually I go in for surgery tomorrow and, Mm -hmm. you know, those that are closest to me, they've, they've seen this, they've seen the tears, they've seen the anger, um, you know, but I need to let that out and I need to experience those things because I know that as you, like once it happens, it's game time and yeah. I'm a closer. And so let's do this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I I'm angry and I, and I hate it. Like I, yeah. I wrote a, I wrote a kind of something about this, like resilience is not linear and you know, it's, it's something that we're always going to be dealing with as athletes. And especially as an elite athlete, you're training on that line and it's something that you love to do. And sometimes things just happen and, you know, when it rains, it pours, but, um, there's always something to learn and it's okay if I don't know what that is yet, but you know, I will, I will learn something. (laughs) I promise you that. (laughs) I love that. You know, one of my, I think my favorite chapter is hard to choose, but I'm going to, I'm going to read the title so I don't get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, you can achieve it, but not attain it. We yeah, got to talk that's about one of my that. Favorites too. It was just like, it seemed <laughs> like that was kind of what you experienced as well. I When I was reading, I thought like, wow, she's like, it seems like you really turned a corner almost, you know, yeah. mentally and physically in that. Yeah. So please share about that to our listeners. I think I'll say that was probably 
my favorite uh my favorite chapter of the book yeah so you can achieve it not attain it so um this is how this is how i think about it so i think you know you can like switch it around either way but you can achieve it not attain it and so for me the attainment of something is like holding on to something like for instance a trophy like it's physical it's tangible you want to like, you know, roll it up and sleep with it at night. And I think a lot of athletes, I certainly was guilty of this where I was chasing, you know, these, the, the race results, the wins. Mm -hmm. And of course that feels so good, but like a trophy holding on to that, like attaining of this thing, you actually, you can't, you can't, it's, it's actually impossible. And this is one of my favorite kind of breakthrough moments. And I've taken it with me ever since is that, I'm actually in love with the process and mm-hmm. that's kind of the achievement itself. I'm in love with the work, the day in, the day out, the ugly, the, you know, it's just so, so runs. And then, you know, the wonderful runs where you feel like you can go for forever. Right. Um, the process of just getting, staying healthy and going to the, being on the start line, because that's to me, this whole process of achievement mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, it's just letting go of this idea of like holding on to this feeling because as soon as you, you know, cross the finish line, it's done. It's 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 over. Right. And all you have are the memories to hold on to and this like beautiful process that got you there. And if, you know, I'm in love with that, the achievement of these goals, um, and the process of it, um, and letting go of this attainment, it like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's like I think this is this epiphany where I realized it's like, I didn't need to race again. I didn't need Mm. to be an elite runner again, but I just loved running so much for what it brought me, how much better of a person it made me. And, um, just that process of, of chasing after something that you love just for, for no other reason that you love it. And it brings you something. Yeah. And that, uh, that to me is, you know, why, why I chose to work so hard and why I, you know, got, I had the opportunity to fall in love with running again and Mm. fall in love with this, this whole process. And, you know, I have trophies. I was showing you my favorite, like cowboy cowbell (laughs) trophy, like in my little, like nice corner. Um, but the reason why I love it is not because of the trophy or what it represents, like what, you know, the actual thing is, um, you know, I, I can't like, it doesn't, but it's the memories that it represents. And it's this whole process of like, you know, the build up to that particular moment. Um, and yeah, that's well, it's just, pretty awesome that that trophy is a cowbell. I mean, that is, that is pretty great too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, and it was in the Pyrenees, you know, like, that's like, you hear these sounds of the cowbell. Yeah. Like, oh. So it's, again, it's like, you know, it brings me back to those moments, not of like right. the actual results. Like I can't hold on to that, but it brings me back to these like really beautiful memories of, you know, mm. running through the fields in the Pyrenees and saying hi to these cows. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I loved how you, you spent a good chunk of time in the book talking about uh, your why. And I know you were just referencing that. And, um, you know, I, I think it's important, you know, for all of us to kind of think through, you know, for something that we invest a lot of time in, why are you running? <laughs> why are you you doing this I know you probably you know sometimes we ask ourselves that question when it's like really a terrible situation you know why am I doing this um but I love that you you dug deeper into that you know in in your book 
Yeah. And so I think everyone's why is different um, because I've certainly had those moments like many times, especially like on a bad training run or like a run, it just doesn't feel good. And I'm like, why am I putting myself through this? Or like yeah. a race, like a super long race, or I'm just like, you know, your stomach goes sour and you're like, what the heck? Like, what? Yeah. This is, this is madness. Like, why am I doing right. this? <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it's just, it represents this bigger, this bigger process. It's like mm -hmm. curiosity has always some, been something that I would describe myself as such a curious person and my curiosity in the first, you know, my, like in school, I wanted to be a, a scientist. I wanted to be an entomologist. I wanted to, you know, study science and be a professor like my dad was. And, um, I was just so curious. I think I was such, so annoying as a child. Cause I was always asked like, why? And like, I'd never, you know, let something go. I always wanted to know why. And so I was chasing that curiosity and that's what got me into running. And it's just like pushing those limits, um, you know, at a physical part instead of a mental part. And I think it's beautiful because it's like yin and the yin and yang. It's like, it, yeah. it balances, but it creates this whole beautiful, bigger picture. And it's in constant flow and equilibrium and one feeds the other and kind of, you don't know where one ends and one begins. Um, mm. And that's why I like running. And, and I say just movement too. I feel like I'm an endurance athlete. I mean, I discovered gravel cycling through all this too. And um, it's just, you know, movement. And um, it's just that whole bigger process. Like I'm in love with what that brings me and how it, it forces me to be a more curious person, a better person, um, a more honest person, um, and to constantly learn. And I think that's the biggest, that's, that's the biggest lesson is that, you know, there's always, it's kind of like this little, this little mantra another one of my favorite chapters is believe. Um, mm -hmm. and, it's one of these, these uh, mantras that I told myself is that believe that your best athletic days are ahead of you. It doesn't have to be athletic, but believe that your best days are ahead of you. Um, but that to me represents that there's always something to learn. Um, no matter where you are in life, no matter what age, no matter recovery, injury, anything, there's always something to learn and there's always something to strive for and to have goals. And I mean, running is at the core of that. And that's, that's my why. Yeah. Yeah. I loved, I, I can't remember if it was your coach, Adam or Matt, who was the, the conversation you had described. They were, they were chatting with you. It was a low moment you were having. Mm -hmm. And um, they basically said like, you know, you're right. You know, you're not the same person that you were. In fact, you're becoming a better person mm -hmm. of yourself. Um, I thought that was such a powerful moment, you know, to experience that. Yeah. And, and, oh my gosh, it's actually kind of funny. It's like, um, I hate the word comeback because yeah. <laughs> it, implies, it implies like that I'm coming back to the same person and mm -hmm. I'm not, and mm -hmm. none of us are like all of our experiences, good or bad, they shape us into who we are. And that's just the reality. And mm -hmm. I don't think change is bad. It's progression. It's, it's, it's progress. It's, you know, learning. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of what, once I let go of that, I didn't want to come back to this. Cause I think as athletes, like we're attached to times and, you know, if I'm not improving all the time, if I didn't set a PR, but it's like, you know, every, I mean, every trail I run, if it's like the same trail, my favorite trail, every, if I run it every day during a week, it's different every single time. Right. Right. So how can I expect that of myself? And in fact, if I wanted to be the same person, then I'd be boring and I don't want that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but also another quick thing, yeah. 
favorite quote by uh, an LL Cool J lyric. And it, okay, let's have it. What do we got? Call it a comeback. I've been here for years. <laughs> mic drop. Mic drop. Where's my mic? Well, yeah, I could say it like Drapping. he did or like wrap it like he does, but I don't know. Everyone, I, I always think about that. I was like, yeah, what would LL Cool J say to that? <laughs> oh man, I should have put that on your sign rather than the other quote. No, no, no. That one's a good one. <laughs> I like the blue. <laughs> that's awesome speaking of another humorous moment in the book when you when you uh I think it was one of your doctors said you know you can start jogging yeah and and he said it's funny because that's like a reoccurring joke in our community about jogging um so I really appreciate it That was great. Well, I want to keep us moving. Um, I'm going to ask you one more question. Then we do have some questions in the chat, which I'm going to, I'm going to read to you. So um, my last question is kind of just, maybe we could sum up like the last chapter. I know it's a lot of spoiler alerts, but you alluded to it that you went back to the site and that account in the chapter was so, it was very moving. Um, Was that difficult for you I mean, obviously in the moment it was difficult, but that was it again more, more difficult to just, you're writing it out now, you're explaining it all. Like how was that whole process? Yeah, so honestly, it was necessary. I knew that I needed to go back to Trumso. I knew I needed to go back and do that race, but I didn't know when. I thought maybe, you know, it'd be when I was, you know, like an old woman, maybe. Um, I'd have the courage because it's just never a comfortable place to go back there. but. Something shifted. It was in, in 2019 after I came back from the ankle break and I, I won that race in Italy again. And I crossed the finish line. I'm like, all right, Hill, you're staying in Europe and you're training for TDS and you're going back to TDS. Sorry, you're going back to Tromso. And I'm like, all right. Uh, I called Manu, the guy who um, yeah. was kind of there, the first on the scene rescuing me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Manu, if I come and do this race, will you do it with me? Mm. And he said, yes. And then from there, I was like, okay, I booked a plane ticket. And I was like, I'm doing this. I'm not backing out. And I invited my mom to come. Um, but honestly, I mean, I, I remember I wanted to go to the place where I'd fallen with Manu, um, Mm. before I did the race. Yeah. And it was important for me to do the race because I wanted, I wanted to I wanted to see it. I wanted to do it and I wanted to do it for me, but I also wanted to do it for the community in Trumso because, um, you know, they're the same people, they're the same people there. They were volunteering on the, on the race course when I had fallen mm-hmm. and, um, you know, as to speaking to the writing process, it was eerie. It was awful. It was traumatic, mm-hmm. um, going back there, but being able to write about the experience and create new memories in this, you know, you know, deep, this dark place that it kind of had like, my biggest fears and, you know, awful memories, to go back there and to create such wonderful experiences with people that saved my life. And, you mm. know, also with my mother, um, and to do that race again, uh, it was one of the most powerful experiences and healing also. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, there was a lot of tears that were shed. There was a lot of like raw moments. Um, I think one of the probably harder than, than, uh, going back to the place that nearly killed you. Uh, so something that's even harder than that is, uh, doing a race, an ultra race with another person. And that person is the one who saved you on this mountainside. So <laughs> there was a lot of emotion, <laughs> um, you know, but I was incredibly grateful. And probably for him too, as well. Right. 
Absolutely. He actually, and so we had been friends and we had talked, but I had not been back there in two years. And so I got to hear firsthand, mm-hmm. um, you know, his recount of the story from his perspective, um, because we had never gone, we had never done it before. We, I'd never really heard from him, you know, how bad that it actually was. Um, and so, yeah, gaining insight into those experiences was, you know, I, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful for it. And I'm grateful that I, I, I stepped into that, even though, so this is, this is something like courage to me is, is knowing that I'm scared and saying, okay, I see you. I'm, I'm scared that fear you're very scary and I'm going to do it anyways. Like that to me is courage. And, um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And I love how you, you shared how so many people, uh, both in that race, but also a previous race you had done had said, you're so brave. That was like a reoccurring thing. That must've been so, how did you feel when people were telling you that? How far I was crying when they told me I'm brave and I'm like, I don't see what you see. Like I'm like a mess right now. Um, but again, it's like hearing, hearing that kind of also just gives me you know, it gives, it encourages me to kind of keep showing up and doing what I'm doing. And, you know, then yeah, maybe, maybe I am brave. And, uh, uh, I mean, although it wouldn't be an adjective that I would describe myself as, um, you know, may, maybe I am. And, um, it's, yeah, but it's just, you know, having the support of those people and if they see it in you, then you can kind of like believe it in yourself too. That's awesome. I love that. Well, you definitely are. You know. <laughs> Thanks. So, <laughs> yeah, some Italian man like grabbing my face during a race after I was yeah. <laughs> so brave. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> I love that. Okay, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions that are in the chat, and then before we end, uh, I'm gonna hit you with some rapid fire fun question oh yeah sweet hit me <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll save that for the end uh because we're in a good flow here so here here's let me scroll up and get our first question um well first let me read you this comment this is from steve banfield good friend steve he says thank you hillary watching you get through your injury helped me during my recovery from an injury which inspired others to do what i was doing um so that's from uh steve banfield uh-huh. and Another woman in our group, Judy Heller, says, thank you for sharing this true strength. I look forward to reading your book. I know she is going through an injury right now, so I'm sure she will I think love it'll it. help. Yeah. Definitely. Judy, get that book. You can borrow mine if you need <laughs> I'll bring it on Saturday. Um, okay, here's our first question. This is from uh, Becca, one of my right-hand women who helps with Sasquad. She says, Mama Beck, the PT here. She's a physical therapist. <laughs> You can only imagine what rehab was like. What was your least favorite exercise that your PT made you do? Also, have you trained during rehab on the Alter G treadmill? I highly recommend if you have not. See, that's actually some interesting tidbit. I have not trained on the Alter G during both of my recoveries. So maybe I'll do it during this one. Um, So yeah, okay, I should do that. My least favorite was BFR, blood flow restriction. Cause I mean, it's a great way to promote, like, you know, without impact to promote healing, but man, it's uncomfortable. It's like, it's basically like a tourniquet around your like affected limb. So you just like restrict the blood flow and your limb turns purple as you do some like body weight exercises. It does not feel good, but it's effective. (laughs) All right. There you go. Mama back. There's your your answer there. Uh, This is from Ryan Thorpe. He's big ultra runner. 
here on the East Coast. Any interest in running? Uh, any interest in running some Beast Coast races? I think you'd love Manitou's Revenge 54 miler. All the rocks, roots, and muds you could ever want. Plus pizza and burritos at the finish. And I have to say, I'm friends with the RD Charlie, and I can totally attest to truth for that. You would love Manitou's, but. Oh man, absolutely. So Beast Co. So, I mean, Zach Miller is a teammate of mine and he's always like representing the Beast Co. So absolutely. I, I think like some of the, the trails out East are underrated. Like everyone is like, oh yeah, like the, sorry, like in Colorado, you know, oh, you know, the, the big mountains here, but man, there's like way more technical trails on the East Coast. So it's like, if you want to practice for the Alps and things like that, like that's the place to be. So absolutely. I do. It's awesome. probably going to eat me alive. <laughs> There are just so many aggressive rocks. That's what I say. They're just very aggressive. They just, they don't, they don't care. And uh, it reminds me, one of my other favorite parts of the book uh, was this, it was like two pages where you talked about uh, the mountains and the way you describe the mountains. I love that. I want to like print it up, but so you got to read the book and that, and that section. (laughs) Uh, Respect, you respect the mountains. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, I mean, so hopefully if, if in-person events happen, if anyone wants to, you know, invite me to some events in the East coast, I'll come out there, make a hey, tour. <laughs> trail running all the way. We'll hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here's another question. This is from Kaylin Hopkins. I see that you run and ride. Do you ride as an alternative for cross training and, or have you entered bike races? Have you developed a love for running? Also regarding your running, do you avoid the trickier and tougher trails? Assuming, you know, because of your history with the injury. So there are a couple of questions in there. Yeah. So for riding and running, I think it's a great way to, um, to balance training. I mean, I love riding my bike. Um, and it's, you know, if I'm, it's, I kind of periodize it throughout the year. Um, and so if I'm training for a big run, then of course I'll run more, but I'll use cycling also kind of as a means for recovery, but also adding in kind of more volume without the, without the pounding. Um, I have done some bike races this is actually, I wrote about it, but I didn't make it into the book. So, you know, I have more material. Um, but my first ever bike race was actually after I broke my ankle. Um, I only had two months of training outside riding my bike on a gravel bike. And I did the dirty Kansas 200. Um, so the 200 mile bike race in Kansas on super gnarly, um, you know, unmaintained gravel roads, um, it's now called unbound gravel. So that was my, you know, introduction into, to gravel bike racing and I loved it. So I'm going to, I do, I'm going to do more, uh, gravel bike races as well. Um, and for running, no, um, I don't actually, those are the type of races that I like to do. So it's the terrain that I like to train on. Um, and I feel like it's a kind of, uh, you know, teaching myself to, um, to get back to those types of trails. And in Colorado, you know, we still have some, we still have some technical trails and I prefer to run those as opposed to like the buttery single track. I, I always prefer a good, like power hike grind on a steep mm-hmm. Rocky trail and, you know, bouncing down it on the rocks than, um, you know, a track meet on buttery trail. Right. 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 <laughs> All right there good you go. That, that was a good question. Um, we've got another one here. This is from Marie Bertilson. I probably killed her last name. I'm sorry, Marie. Uh, you, she says, you are such an inspiration. I wonder how you deal with pain. How do you differ between, quote, this is pain, but I can power through. And this is a bad pain that makes things worse. And I should take a step back or take a different route. That's a really good question. So how do you decipher between uh, different types of pain? 
Yeah. So this is actually something I kind of go into the book and probably, you know, applicable to right now because, um, I broke my foot and I, I do have a really high pain tolerance. And so it was kind of like undiagnosed for a couple of weeks. Cause I thought it was maybe tendonitis as opposed to an actual break. Um, so it's a little bone in the foot. So maybe that's, that's why it didn't feel so bad, but something that basically, um, that doesn't improve it. So it's like, you listen to the other cues of your body. Like if it doesn't re- respond, if it gets worse, um, after, you know, exercise and, um, with swelling, redness, irritation. Um, I always check things out sooner rather than later. And I'm always a big proponent of, you know, strength training and recovery. And so usually, you know, you can keep things in check that way. Um, but there is still some pain that I had to work through, especially with the ligament and returning back to running. And it's a fine line. Um, but again, it's, it's realizing, okay, does it kind of loosen up after I start to run and does it get worse? Um, if I, you know, if you basically did too much and so it's kind of finding that balance it's, it's for each person. Um, it's definitely not linear. Um, I wish I had a thing to tell, like a formula to tell you, but it's really, it's like, you can kind of, it's listening to the cues of your body and, um, knowing that if this pain is persistent and it doesn't get better, um, either with rest or, you know, kind of this like progression of like gradual return to exercise, um, then that's something you should pay attention to. Um, but always have those people that you can kind of bounce these ideas off of and, you know, explain, um, I'm a, I'm a running coach. And so, you know, all of these, you know, when athletes have something that come up, I'm like, okay, this sounds like this, like, let's get this checked out. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a hard process to, to go by. But also one thing I recommend is, um, uh, I'm not a fan of painkillers. I'm a fan mm-hmm. of, you know, like listening to your body and not masking the pain. And so really listening to, to being honest with, and like listening to those cues your body is telling you, cause it's important. <laughs> right, right. That's in line with, a uh, coop, the coop cast. I remember yeah. one cast, he's like, yeah. if I find a, uh, any bottles of painkillers, I throw them out. If I find them in my athlete's bag, I throw them out. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm with, I'm with you on that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. A couple more comments in here. Sean Tracy says huge respect working back into it after an injury shows true grit. Mm-hmm. Um, next comment. This is from Michelle Rice. She's another member of our yeah. dream team extreme. Uh, you know, Michelle, right? Yeah. You guys yeah. Met. yeah. So she said you would crush grindstone hundred <laughs> out and back. Should I send you an invite? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, <laughs> dreams go to die at Grindstone. There's something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not uh, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we would we would love to have you come on. Uh, you know, the Beast Coast. Let us know when you're in town. That'd and, be awesome. Uh, I'd love it. <laughs> uh, okay, we have another question. Um, this is from Ryan Thorpe again. He said, "Did your fall?" change the way that you assess risk in the mountains. Any advice on moving safely through high consequence terrain, which I know Ryan does a lot. He's a, he's a mountain goat himself. Yeah, it, it for sure did. And so, I mean, this it definitely was, okay. It's, it's, it's kind of a, how I 
describe it. I don't describe myself as a risk taker. I was never that way. I am not that way. Um, but it's, you know, there's, it's a numbers game. Statistically speaking, you know, some things can happen when you go out into the, into the mountains. Um, I had an unlucky day, um, but this is, but I was fairly comfortable with the terrain that I was running on in Trump. So it was, you know, third class, um, fourth class, maybe at times, um, you know, so in the classes, it's like, you know, so if you're able to run, that's first class. Cause like one foot on the ground, second class is walking. So like, you know, two feet, third class, a hand down fourth class, you need like all hands. Um, and, and so I, my risk kind of management, it's, I have the skills, I practice these things. So, um, so basically if I feel comfortable and I have these skills, then I feel like the risk is a bit, I'm, I'm comfortable accepting the risk involved. doesn't mean that the risk goes any lower. It's still there, but my skills can kind of equip me for, you know, my comfort level going into them. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. This accident changed that. And it also helped me to listen to this intuition that if I felt that things felt off, like mentally, like if I felt any kind of like twinge of like, mm, I don't know if like, I just don't, I'm not feeling this today, change the route. I won't do it. And I think that is like listening to your body because you know, it'll tell you these different, these different cues. You have to be, you know, um, have to be kind of engaged in the terrain. Um, but I mean, always like for me, it's always telling someone where I'm going. Um, if I'm, you know, going on a risky thing, like if I'm going by myself, like having a spot tracker or, you know, going with a buddy and also like being prepared, um, you know, whether that's, you know, taking wilderness medicine classes or, you know, you know, you know, having a trail running partner that does that as well. Um, but yeah, I think it was a process for me learning that stuff again. And it's okay that it's, you know, it's scary at times, you know, I come to these, you know, technical cliffs and I'm uncomfortable in them, in that situation, but it's, you know, relearning those, those, um, those skills again, to feel more comfortable in those situations. Awesome. Great answer for you there, Ryan <laughs> Thorpe. Uh, looks like we have another question. This is from Praveen Kumar says, Hillary, how did you manage your eating habits during recovery? Um, so again, like listening to your body, um, I, uh, worked with a nutritionist and so it's like kind of having things that help, um, you know, little supplements or things to help with inflammation and all this other stuff. Um, but also your body needs an immense amount of nutrients when you're healing. And so that is, I know everyone is, you know, uh, afraid of like, oh, what happens if I'm injured and like, uh, gaining weight or all of this stuff. But honestly, your body needs so much good food to heal itself properly. And if you don't like actually pay attention to that, it could lead yourself up for kind of risks later on. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, you know, there's always that fear, but, um, yeah, it's just really trying to listen to your body and, you know, like you know, rebuild. And I think like injuries are that time. Like you have to, you know, you have to rebuild. You can't just go, go, go all the time. Um, and like, you know, basically, you know, not deprive yourself, but kind of, you know, come up with, uh, you know, you're, if you're asking your body and demanding it a lot all the time, there's, you're going to reach a limit at some point. Um, and right. so, yeah. Right. Food, food and sleep is the one, two, oh, those are like the biggest, like, those are the best ways that you can recover. That's your, that's your greatest tips, right? Like, and tools right there, sleep and food. Put it in <laughs> that's, the that's the training drugs. Those are the drugs, food and, and sleep. <laughs> I also want to say, I, I really, I, I, 
I appreciated you sharing um, in your book about, um, you talked about body image, you talked about your, your own physique. And I loved how you, you really, you like acknowledged and pointed out that your muscle and how strong you were as an athlete really, I mean, it protected you as you were falling. I know you talked about that. And I thought that was, that was so, it was so awesome. It was just refreshing to hear, you know, an athlete talking about how it's a good thing to be strong and to have muscle. And here's a prime example of of why. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it should, it should be celebrated. And yeah, there's a, again, it's, it's having that kind of just that holistic approach and that, um, bigger represent, representation of like, what does strong mean? And it literally was something I think that saved my life. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm going to pull up the rapid fire questions on my phone, but while I'm doing that, <laughs> can you share with everybody, um, just give a plug for how, um, they can get your book and then also you're a coach as well. So how can people connect yeah. with you if they're interested in coaching? Yeah. Okay. So this, the, um, all the information that you need is on my website. So makes it easy. Hillaryallen.com. Um, there's info for coaching and all the links for kind of a page to my book, uh, for ordering information. Um, you know, you can go to your local bookstore cause it's out now. Um, and yeah, and order off Amazon, but yeah, any of that's there. You can follow me on Instagram. It's Hilly goat underscore climbs. Um, that's me on Twitter also, um, use, you know, can, you can sign up for, um, so in addition to the book, you can, should definitely pick up the book, but you can also join my run club and that's all on my, um, on my website. So you can kind of join my community there, um, and sign up for the run club and newsletter. So you can kind of keep up to dates on, on all, on all things that I'm doing. Uh, yeah. And I would love to hear from you. So you can always uh, contact me there also. Awesome. And how about your podcast? Uh, yeah. So all that information is on there as well, but so, and also through Instagram, I always plug kind of the things that I'm doing. So I have a podcast through CTS. So, um, it's called the train, right podcast, and that's all linked on my website as well. And, um, I'm also the co-host of the fastest known podcast. So the FKT podcast, um, so me and Buzz Burrell, you know, we get to talk to some really cool people. So, and I'll always link that stuff to my Instagram as well. Awesome. Yes. I love both of the podcasts. I just listened to the sleep episode. It was fantastic. It was, it was really great. The FKT, the FKT podcast is a lot of fun as well. Yeah. (laughs) The FKT, that's, that's a trail that you would love. You come to Jersey, New York, we made a, an FKT route. Um, it's called the seven summits traverse. It's, it's in the bear mountain area. So there's seven summits that you hit. It's about 27 miles long with 7,600 feet of gain and it's all, it's all rocks. There's just, there's nothing but rocks. (laughs) It's just up, down, up, down, up, down. So speaking of the beast coast and FKTs, like every year you see people like going after the Prezi traverse and like, like, there's some other ones there, but like you always see people like throwing down crazy times. (laughs) Nuts. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. You ready for this rapid fire? Ready. Okay. These are very serious questions. Got it. Not really. Okay. First one, most important. Do you believe in Sasquatch? Yes. No hesitation. <laughs> I've not at night on trails for sure. I believe in him. Maybe he could like, you know, is takes the form of like moose or like skunks. I don't know. Like animals. <laughs> well, that's the next question. Have you seen Sasquatch on the trail? Probably, most likely. <laughs> 
I'd ask him if he'd seen me. Most definitely. <laughs> Squatchy, he's always out there. You just you know it. <laughs> all right. Next question. Also important. What is the greatest 80s movie of all time? Wait, what? 80s movie? Is Top Gun 80s? Yes. <laughs> and that. That's like my favorite. Also, Q, take my breath away. Like, okay. <laughs> Your theme song. <laughs> All right. Next question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Mm, no hesitation there either. It's a hot dog. It's not a sandwich. It's a thing of its own. <laughs> it's in its own category. And also its own category of like mystery meat as well. Right? Yeah. all right next one you are a coffee junkie i gathered that from your book how do you take your coffee black black nothing in it yep usually so here's the thing i like shots in the dark so either like a nice like a nice espresso i just got turned on to this also this new thing it's turkish coffee it's amazing um but black coffee so i have like like coffee with like shots of espresso in it Ah, so you're, you're about the caffeine life, sounds like. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if I have it in like the afternoon or like mid-morning, I'll put oat milk in it, but black coffee. Okay, there it is, black coffee. Uh, next one, if you could instantly be good, really, really good at one sport, what would it be? Rock climbing. Mm, love that. Yeah. Do you do any rock climbing? I did a little bit, but it's like the fear aspect, and it's such a beautiful sport. Um, I think that would be awesome yeah like yeah rock climbing or like jujitsu something like that okay awesome (laughs) (laughs) um okay next one this is a fun one if you could have any person living or deceased be a guest on your podcast who would it be this is the hardest question ever i have about five people right (laughs) richard Feynman. okay You, you can name five if you have five Okay. Um, all of them are kind of like scientists. Okay. So, I mean, like Richard Feynman, I would choose Albert Einstein. That's kind of like, Obviously. <laughs> um, um, Ernest Rutherford. He was like the, he discovered of like the gold <laughs> atom. Like I'm such a nerd. Oh my God. Watson and Crick. Um, yeah. <laughs> Marie Curie, man, she was a badass. Um, yeah. I don't know all of these different things, uh, but also, I mean, there's, yeah, I don't know. Those are great. Those are great. Those are good answers. All right. Next one. FDR. FDR. Yeah. Fireside chats, right? Yeah, dude. He is, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> Next one. Uh, we have two questions left. Where is your favorite place in the world? Where's your happy place? Oh man. Is it right there where you are with the mood lighting and cowbell? (laughs) You know, I think, I feel like home can be, it's like three things. Like home is where, you know, your, like say heart is, but I think home is like, you can find home at peace in yourself. You can find home in an actual physical place and you can find home in a community. So Mm -hmm. it's like when you, where you can find those three things is like, I think the, like the best, but I think one of my favorite places in the world is the Lost Creek Wilderness here in Colorado. Mm. Mm-hmm. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Last question. This is a fun one. Um, 
not if, but when they make a movie about your life, who is going to star as Hillary Allen? You know it's going to happen. I'm calling it right here. Not you guys heard it. It's it is oh going to happen. Can we, pull, can we pull the audience? Who who would do it? I don't know. I don't keep up with famous people. Like, <laughs> who's... What's the... She's the... Uh, I don't know. The girl in the notebook, that woman. She kind of has red hair sometimes. <laughs> you know, what's that lady's name? You know, I'm probably the worst person to ask this question. Amy Adams? No. She was in, like... She in American Hustle? I don't know. You're in the chat, and you can help us out. <laughs> <laughs> like searching for people with like red hair uh i don't know i have no idea um anthony longano says the actress from queen's gambit oh dude yes i agree with you anthony okay cool <laughs> there you go all right good job anthony we got our we got our <laughs> Uh, oh, Marie says rachel mcadams yeah her or her sure <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's awesome. Listen, I'm saying, I'm just saying it would be a phenomenal movie, you know. Cool. So. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. Those are all the questions you survived. The <laughs> great. I liked it. I liked it. Thanks. Awesome. Well, Hillary, thank you again so much. This was um, fantastic. Oh, it's 9.15. I'm sorry. We went a little bit over. I wasn't even really looking at the clock. It went very went by super fast. <laughs> No, awesome. Okay, so you heard it from Hillary, all the ways that you can connect with her. You can get the book. Again, um, broken record here, but highly recommend it. Two thumbs up, out and back, available on Amazon, local bookstores. Um, if you want to learn more about Sasquad Trail Running, you can go to our website, sasquadtrailrunning.com. Facebook, we're super active on social media, Sasquad Trail Running. Instagram is Sasquad Trail Runners. And um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, grievances, just reach out. And until we see you again, keep it squashy.